This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. you earlier on Saturday mornings through March Madness because BetQL's countdown to tip off at 7 a.m. So early odds is real early, 6 to 7 a.m. throughout the tournament. We have NFL draft and Bears odds, Major League Baseball MVP looks, and of course some college hoops. I'm Joe Ostrowski, live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Yeah, I'd say the NFL and the upcoming NFL draft has been a big storyline over the last couple of weeks. The Bears did have the number one pick, and they no longer do. The last time I spoke with uh, the first guest we're going to have here on Early Odds uh, this morning, it was heading into the Combine, and I was a little concerned, you know, when is this deal going to get done? Is it going to go last minute? And Scott Smith told me, Joe, relax, action is going to pick up. We've got the combine, and I don't think you're going to have to wait that long. But I didn't think it was going to happen over a week ago like like it did. Ryan Poles not wasting any time, and we uh, saw the compensation from Carolina, certainly understood why. Scott Smith, one of the most accurate NFL mock drafters around that is documented. He does work for four for four football. Some of our friends uh, in Chicagoland area run that terrific site. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Smith. FF Scott, when the news came down on the Bears Panthers uh, trade, did you do a little pump of the fist? Because uh, you nailed that one. Nobody thought that was going to happen that early, right? Well, look, we do a podcast at 444 called Move the Line, and uh, we had gotten finished basically recording that podcast about oh. an hour before the information <laughs> dropped. And the last thing I said on that podcast was that Carolina was the most desperate team to move up and, and to look out for them. And then boom, you know, an hour later, that information hits. They could have gave us a little bit of warning and a uh, little heads up and maybe we could have recorded that a little bit later. But look, it, it hit. And I think it's a great haul for Chicago. I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, the, the reaction that I had was like, OK, wow, it's early. But then I saw what was going to the Bears you couldn't argue with it. Like t- typically teams wait as long as possible, try to get a couple of desperate teams outbidding each other. But I don't think you were going to get a, a better package than what the bears got from Carolina. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and the rumor was that they had an option for another third round pick or DJ Moore. And I think DJ Moore is a very underrated wide receiver. And what he brings to Chicago allows them to go ahead and and, and develop that offense a, a little bit quicker than than what you would if you were waiting on another pick a, a couple of years from now. You know, I think when you, you look at Justin Fields and, and they're going all in on him and what DJ Moore brings to that offense really rounds out that wide receiving core with, with different weapons between, you know, the guys that you have there already with Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. I think it gives them a variety of weapons to go ahead and build. And then you also start to look at some of the things they did with the uh, in free agency here. And I, I think you get a lean as to where they're going to be going in the draft. Uh, there's been a lot of action over the last couple of weeks on the Bears. They are now the co-second favorites at some spots for the NFC North, a team that just had the worst record in the NFL, uh, co-second favorites with Minnesota, uh, according to some, to win the division. Eberflus is near the top of the odds board, coach of the year. They keep betting Justin Fields. Some of that is just uh, crazy Bears fans doing that and uh, hoping for the big step, kind of like we just saw out of Jalen Hurts. So a lot of action on the Bears. I, I want to get uh, to the number one pick odds, first player drafted at each position for the draft that's posted right now. But overall thoughts on the Bears, even for me, someone who's been critical for years of this organization, it's hard to hammer them on this one. Uh, the trade was strong, and I like what they've done in free agency thus far. How about you? Yeah, I think the big thing you have to look at with the trade is that they've given themselves an out when it comes to Justin Fields. With the the, mm -hmm. the picks that they have, they have another year to go ahead and evaluate Fields and decide whether or not he is going to be that franchise quarterback moving forward for the Chicago Bears. I think they've done well enough to go ahead and build around him with what they have. And then you, you look at the free agent signings. I like what they've done on defense. Um, I, I think they went a little bit high with uh, you know the contract that they gave Nate Davis, but I think they're setting themselves up well to go ahead and, and build a, along you know a best player available position that they can go ahead and good and I think I, I lean right now towards them taking an offensive lineman probably a tackle there unless one of the bigger players that are that should be in that top five to six range drops down to them okay who do you think is uh is going to be a realistic option for them at number nine with the offensive line will the kid at Northwestern Skaronsky be available I think Skaronsky will be available, but with the signing that they just had of Nate Davis, that kind of signals to me that they may be looking a little bit more towards the tackle position. I think you you look at uh, Paris Johnson and, and Broderick Jones. I think those are, are two of the options. The big issue with Skaronsky is that when you start looking at the measurables, he had arms less than 32 and a half inches. You know, 33 inches is typically that that threshold that they're looking for, um, and, and he's a little bit on the shorter side. Those other guys are. I think they project a little bit better at the tackle. I kind of think Skaronsky will be a guard at the NFL level and, and have massive upside and, and way, way more reach than what uh, Skaronsky has. So I kind of lean tackle in that scenario. And, and Scott, that was a great point you brought up about Justin Fields and this trade. Immediate reaction by some would be, oh, see, they are in on Fields. They're not looking uh, to draft a quarterback at number one overall. So that means they believe in that. And I think what you're saying a little bit is, yeah, they probably believe in him, but not necessarily. This does not tie them to fields forever. A guy that polls did not draft because that Carolina pick can t easily turn into a top three, top five pick. And they have another year to evaluate fields. And if they don't like what they see, they can move on a year and get the, the franchise quarterback that they do believe in. Yeah. And, and especially when you look at Carolina, like we'll get into the first, uh, you know, the, the options that they have there at one, but you know, depending upon who they pick, uh, you know, there's been a little bit of smoke as far as the Anthony Richardson goes. And if yeah. Anthony Richardson, who we've talked about that may not be ready for the first year or two, and they, they did just sign Andy Dalton, but let's say you get half a season with, 
Anthony Richardson starting on the back half, look, Carolina could very easily be the top one or, or two picks, and that, that pick's going to be going to Chicago. So Chicago, especially with the quarterbacks that you have coming out next year, they're going to have options. That's, that's how they want to build their team at quarterback moving forward. Very good. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, The Score. My guest is Scott Smith from 4 for 4 at Scott Smith FF on Twitter. Fantastic at NFL Mock Drafts. And let's go there. Carolina, number one overall pick. Big move. Bryce Young was the favorite when the Bears had the pick. And now C.J. Stroud is the favorite. I see as high as minus 275 favorite Stroud to go number one overall. And some spots have Anthony Richardson as a second favorite. Others have Bryce Young as the second favorite. How do you handicap this number one pick now? I think Stroud is the odds on favorite. Um, that that line after the trade opened was uh, Stroud at minus 115. It shot up to over uh, you know, minus 300. And it's, now it's kind of started to move back in the opposite direction. And, uh, you know, I just thought it just kind of hit on it. Part of that that reason that's moving in the opposite direction is because Anthony Richardson does have a little bit of smoke there. Look, they, they signed Andy Dalton in Carolina, and he's sitting there kind of as that bridge quarterback to whomever they draft. Um, I, I tend to lean towards Stroud. In the mock draft world, I, I track a lot of mock drafts and everything that's going on in the industry and since that trade has happened Stroud has been the, the pick mock to uh, Carolina about 64 percent of the time so right now I think Stroud is the odds on favorite all right so uh free agency can sometimes fill in a lot of the gaps now it's certainly far from over but based on what we've seen thus far uh, are there any specific teams and positions that you're starting to match up based on what teams did uh with these signings Look, the, the quarterback dominoes have certainly started to fall. You, you've got Aaron Rodgers that's still in the holding position until they can figure out what compensation they're going to go ahead and, and deal with between the Jets and, and Green Bay. Mm -hmm. You know, Taylor Heineke went to Atlanta. Baker Mayfield just went to Tampa Bay. You know, Derek Carr is in New Orleans. And, and Jimmy Garoppolo is the one that's the most interesting to me because the, the way that the Raiders went ahead and, and set his – contract essentially they can get out after a year at a little bit over 36 million dollars so that does not preclude them from from going ahead and drafting one of these quarterbacks whether it's will levis the interesting part to me and i think the the thing that some people need to look at when it comes to moves is the cardinals sitting there at, at pick three you know will anderson with some of the some of the issues that jalen carter had he's the odds on favorite to go as the first defensive player coming off the board but the cardinals aren't, aren't locked into that position there at three and if another team's interested in one of these quarterbacks you know, right now I project that uh, CJ Stroud's going to be go off the board number one. I like Bryce Young to Houston at this point in time, which kind of leads the Colts who, who need a quarterback sitting on the outside looking in. I think you could have a team like the Raiders or any other team that's interested in a quarterback moving up to, to that number three position and really putting the Colts in a tough spot. Mm. You can bet on which team will draft Anthony Richardson. There are not many options matching up player and team, but that is one of them. What would you bet on right now? Like I said, I, I like Stroud and I like Bryce Young. I, I think if the board remained the way it's going to remain, I, I think Anthony Richardson would uh, be the third person off the board. I don't necessarily like the fit to Indianapolis. Um, I think they would maybe lean a little bit more towards Will Levis. So, I, look, I, I don't have a I don't have an issue with Anthony Richardson going to the Raiders um, as a you know an outside bet there. You start looking at it and you look at the coach that they have there. That's the same coach that drafted Tim Tebow. So he had an idea of what he wanted to do with Tim Tebow at the time. And I, yeah. I think anybody would can argue that Anthony Richardson has more skill and more ability than what Tim, Tim Tebow had. So you could see him kind of trying to bring some of those old schemes back up and, and, and maybe try to develop a guy in Anthony Richardson again here. Uh, there's some value there. Raiders 9-1, to one, the fourth favorite right now 
to draft Anthony Richardson. All right, let's look at some of these other markets, see if anything's changed. Uh, we talk about the odds uh, mixing up at quarterback, and signs are pointing to Stroud being the first quarterback selected. Again, minus 275 for that market as well. What about first receiver? Any uh, any movement there? We got Jackson Smith and the Jigba out of uh, Ohio State as high as minus 150, about even money at most spots to be the first receiver. Yeah, you know, going into the combine, Quentin Johnson was uh, the the overall number one with Jordan Addison actually coming in second. Jordan Addison at the combine was unable to finish. Um, he did run, but like some of those times don't necessarily match up. I think he was having, you know, a, a slight injury strain type of deal to where he held off and he's going to do a little bit more at his pro day. Um, Quentin Johnson came in a little bit undersized. Uh, he was listed at 6'4", um, came in at 6'2". I don't think that's as huge of an issue, but... People forgot about Jackson Smith and Jigba because he didn't get a whole lot of playing time like last year. And, and there was a lot of negative connotations on him going into the draft, whether or not he could have played last year and whether or not he chose to sit out that year. Um, but he definitely went in and especially in the agility drills that mean a whole lot to wide receivers, reminded a lot of people what he can do. He measured out into the 96th and 95th percentile for the short shuttle and some of the other three cone drills and stuff. So I, I think he's the odds on favorite right now back again. Um, those numbers, I, I think you can go ahead and lay off. Um, those numbers are going to change. I wouldn't make an early bet on Jackson Smith and Jigba to, to be at the, the plus 100 and minus 150. I think you'll be able to get some better odds later on. Um, and, and the first week of April is really when you have to start paying attention to some of these odds. That's when you're going to start getting some of the, the injury information and, and rechecks on the medicals that happen at the combine. That stuff will start to leak out and some of these numbers will start to change. I think you'll be able to get better odds. We talked about the different possibilities for the Bears at number nine to beef up that offensive line. Well, which offensive lineman is going to be the first one taken? That's one of the things that I think you're you're still kind of in a, a holding pattern with looking at. Um, with some of those offensive linemen, I, I think Peter Skaronsky is probably the most NFL ready. But like we talked about, I, I think he's going to project a little bit more to a guard. Um, but he's also probably the most polished and closest to his ceiling. Broderick Jones, I, I think, has the highest upside and and can project to be, you know, uh, an elite Pro Bowl, you know, all pro type of type of talent, but he's not quite there yet. So Paris Johnson of those two guys that I, that I just talked about with Skaronsky and Broderick Jones, mm -hmm. probably the best mix of both. He's got a huge 36 inch wingspan. So I, I tend to project him as being the, the first tackle off the board right now. Um, a lot of the lines that you look at, that's lines that they can get on FanDuel at plus 150. I mean, when you're really breaking it down from the odds, uh, Broderick Jones at plus 450 isn't a bad, isn't a bad look to go ahead and put a little sprinkle on. Okay. It seems like a lot of these you want to wait for more information. You want to wait until free agency really closes up and uh, maybe we start to hear some things. Am I reading that right? Yeah. But some of these odds, I think once you start getting and you have a guy in Broderick Jones who could legitimately be the first tackle, anytime you get in that plus 300 range or, or, or whatnot, when it comes to the, the NFL draft and you're really betting on information rather than, you know, the way it goes with, with betting on some other sports. Like this is an information market that we're looking at right now. Yeah. Knowing that Roderick Jones has that possibility to go ahead and, and be that first tackle taken off the board, plus 450 odds is, is a good good bet to go ahead and sprinkle a little bit on. Uh, Scott, we have a lot of Notre Dame fans in the area, and Michael Mayer is the favorite to be the first tight end selected. However, there's nobody that's minus money. Even Mayer you can find at plus 125. Kincaid is also right there in the mix at plus 150. Do you have a favorite here? 
So this market is one that you really have to wait on. And the reason being is because not all these guys uh, like went ahead at the combine. I, Dalton Kincaid is, is going to be the one that you really have to look at and, and look at some of his times and what he's going to run and, and do at his pro day. Sam Laporte is another guy, long shot. But I think the, the thing that you really have to kind of look at when it comes to this is that this market and, and the tight end market, and specifically when you're talking about rookies, I only think one of these guys is going to get drafted in the first round. I think Michael Mayer has the most well-rounded skill set to be able to be that guy. So mm-hmm. I, I would consider him as the, the first one off the board. Plus 125 is not the greatest odds, but yeah. it, it's something that I think you can go ahead and look at. Um, and just when it comes to the tight ends in general, you're talking about players that take two to three years to develop. So it's not as valued of a position as you start to look at. And even from a fantasy standpoint, when you start looking at it, it was Travis Kelsey and everyone else. So I, I think only one of these guys is going to go in the first round, and I, I tend to lean Michael Mayer right now. An early look at the NFL draft as a free agency well underway. With Scott Smith, this is Joe Ostrowski, Early Odds, Sports Radio 670, The Score. Uh, big move, first defensive player drafted. It's been all negative news on Jalen Carter ever since the combine. Will Anderson, minus 250, minus 300 range to be the first defensive player. Some spots I've seen uh, Tyree Wilson at points be the second favorite, jumping Carter there. How far is Carter going to fall? Whenever the news came out with Jalen Carter, I didn't have a whole lot of, of issues with uh, him falling because of the 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 two misdemeanors. And it's because it was a two misdemeanors. I don't mean to, you know, two people did lose their, their lives in the event that happened, but he, he wasn't set to miss any amount of time as far as the, the misdemeanors. And I think GMs really look at that. Um, when it comes down to Jalen Carter, the knock on him was that he doesn't compete 100% of the time. You know, he loafs, he takes plays offs and things of that nature. And since you had the information, he's done a lot to, to fall down the board. And some of it's mm-hmm. due to his own fault. You know, at the pro day, he comes in nine pounds over, unable to complete the drills, started cramping up. So you have some of that work ethic that's that's coming forward. Now you, you have people that fall into two camps. Are they going to judge him based upon what he did at that pro day? Or are they going to go back and look at film? I, I think some of the teams that are going to take him off the board are teams that weren't going to go ahead and, and have a chance to draft him anyway. I do think he still goes in the top 10 to 12 pick. Um, you could even see him as an option there for Chicago if they chose to to go that route. And I think wow. Philadelphia at 10 is another strong, strong fit there with them losing some of their, their weapons along that defensive line that, you know, they had the same narrative last year with uh, Jared Davis. And that's a team that went ahead and, and drafted Jared Davis, who was only going to be a part time player. Um, so right now, I, I think you, you're still going to have to wait and, and see kind of where he goes and some more information is going to come out i'm not so much worried about the legal standpoint but you know how are these medicals and how are some of these other things going to going to test out and and what's the other information that's going to come in as far as character concerns behind the scene a lot of that information is going to start getting leaked a little bit more towards it first week in april wow i mean there were people mocking jalen carter to the bears at number one overall even though we all knew they weren't going to keep that pick but just you know going through the mock draft process putting carter number one and now there's an outside chance that they could get him at number nine Uh, Anything else you want to hit? Is the cornerback market interesting to you? We're starting to see some of these draft matchups posted on a a matchup of which player is going to get drafted first. Yeah, so the quarterback market is very interesting to me, and I think you have a battle here of Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon. And look, you you look at the tape on Devin Witherspoon, and he's out there laying the wood on some of these guys. The issue with him is that he only came in at the combine at 181 pounds. The tape is is great. It's one year of tape, but it's it's really really good tape. 
The issue that you're going to have with Witherspoon and Gonzalez is they're two different type of players. And specifically, Witherspoon played a lot more man coverage in college than what you saw out of Christian Gonzalez. But Christian Gonzalez offers that that size, that speed, that prototypical stuff that that NFL GMs and, and scouts want. Ran a 4.36 at the combine. So the speed's there. The fluidity in his movement is there. The issue that you're having with Devin Witherspoon right now, he is on a small side, but he hasn't run yet. So until you see Devin Witherspoon run, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to have to run a 4-4 to get back into that conversation to be a legitimate threat to be the first cornerback off the board. So right now, I have a strong stance on Christian Gonzalez. I think the GMs and with the size and speed capabilities that you have in combination of Christian Gonzalez, I think he's a strong favorite in my in my eyes to go ahead and be that first cornerback taken off the board. Is there a team that you look at and, and you think they're winning the offseason? They're going to take a huge jump. Bears are getting a ton of love. I understand if you like the moves that Denver is making, that that Sean Payton is making uh, making it clear the kind of offense that they're going to run. Uh, the Jets' number is crazy. I'm seeing 14 to one for the Super Bowl. A- anything else, big picture NFL wise, that uh, that is standing out to you? Yeah, I think when we talk about the Jets, I think the Jets are a team that has a lot of potential. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of, of some of the moves they're making to to kind of placate Aaron Rodgers. And no. <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see what type of numbers they, they give up to, to go ahead and acquire Rodgers. But if they're able to hold on to that, that pick there at, at 13, mm-hmm. address the offensive line and bring Aaron Rodgers over, I think that's going to open up a lot for that offense. Um, you look at, you know, Brees Hall was having a great year up until the point that he got injured. And a lot of the issues they had were offensive line and quarterback related. So I think where that defense is sitting and, and if you can get the addition of Aaron Rodgers and, Look, he, he's on the decline of his career, but he's going to be a huge step up from what they played with last year. I think the Jets are going to be a team that can can really contend and even give Buffalo some issues there in, in the AFC East. Um, the other team that I also kind of look at, and it's not been huge moves, but you know, I, I like what the Saints have done so far. Um, you know, they've they've lost some guys, but I, I think bringing over Derek Carr gives them a, a very specific you know, direction forward. They went ahead and signed Jamal Williams. I think that does go ahead and fill a huge hole because after Alvin Kamara last year, it was just a rotating door of has-beens there at running back. You have Alvin Kamara that could have played his last down of football for the Saints. But if he doesn't, Jamal Williams is a guy that that goes ahead and, and, and brings a nice balance to that backfield, something that they haven't had. And, and you're going to have Alvin Kamara miss games this year, probably with the suspension from some of the legal issues he has. And I think Jamal Williams can carry the rock, you know, for the time being, if it's six to eight games, I have no problem with him being a lead back. So I, I think with some of the injuries they've had and, and the problems they had from a quarterback standpoint, I think the Saints, to me right now, they feel like the leader of the house in the, in the NFC South. When's the next mock draft coming out? I will probably be shooting for a mock draft sometime around the 1st of April. I know uh, that's an April Fool's Day, so some people <laughs> might think some of these picks will be a joke. So I might hit it a, a, a little bit earlier, a day or two later than that. But yes. you know, i really be putting forth a, a lot of work with some of these uh, free agent movements and combine information to reflect that in my next mock draft. And then, uh, you know, I'll have another one coming out probably around the 15th, about two weeks later. And then the final one will be the week of the draft, the one that gets graded. So yeah, right. it's a lot of information that's going to come out between now and then. So we'll have a lot of movement. Very good. We'll be looking for that four for four. Scott Smith at Scott Smith FF on Twitter. One of the most accurate NFL mock drafters out there. It's been documented for years. Scott, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to bug you again soon. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. This is an earlier version of early odds with Joe Ostrowski, MLB MVP candidates in college hoops. The rest of the hour. Follow me on Twitter at Joe Ostrowski. This is 670 The Score and the Odyssey app.
The Score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Welcome back. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The Score. We bring in Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse at Hawthorne Gym. Around this time of the year, we love to talk a lot of baseball, getting those preseason wagers in. Maybe we'll have time for some bears and horses as well. Good morning, Jim. Morning, Joe. And it's weird because I know there's going to be so much NCAA tournament focus going on, but this is a good time to kind of hone in on those baseball numbers because Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of things that seem to be just a whole lot out of whack. And we've been talking a lot about what's going on with MVP candidates. There's a lot of value out there. So this may be the time to jump in now because you might be able to catch some prices on some players that even a couple of weeks from now, those prices could be cut quite a bit just because of the amount of action that could come in leading up to the season. All right, before we dive into some of the numbers that we like for 2023, let's take a look back at what's been happening with this award. Uh, There were no questions about who was going to win the MVP in the American League. Aaron Judge gave you a full season. He (laughs) set all sorts of uh, records. And he had a war in double digits. It was it was his. No sweat there. Like it was clear yep. that he was going to be your MVP early on in the season. That was the same situation two years ago in the American League when it was Otani. The last time we saw a big ticket get home was in that shortened season over on the south side with Jose Abreu getting the MVP. Trout bets, but it doesn't seem as wide open as it's been in the National League in recent years. Last year was Goldschmidt, and I think you could have made a case for his teammate Arenado. You could have made a case yes. for Machado, but uh, in the end, the traditional numbers, 106 runs, 115 RBI, they didn't want to deny Paul Goldschmidt, so he was your MVP. Harper came out of nowhere a couple of years ago. Midseason, you could have gotten a great number on Bryce Harper. Freeman, I mean, some of these names here, Bellinger, Yelich, these are not names that were touted as one of your top MVP selections going into the year. Harper, yes, preseason, but midseason, you could have gotten a good number. So in recent years, it's been AL has been more chalky, NL more value, right? I would say that's the case as well. And now what comes into this year, Joe, is what's going to happen for guys for batting average with the elimination of the shift? What's going to happen for guys with the ability to have base runners in motion a little bit more or more stolen bases now going to become something that people look at. There's guys that may have been 20, 25 stolen base guys that are going to be in the 40 to 50 range this year, just because they can be more aggressive. So when you're talking about bringing this in for the MVP candidates and for the MVP voters, well, if you're stealing more bases, you might be scoring a few more runs. You might be adding a little bit more to your team. It boosts up your numbers a little bit. So I think it's going to actually come a little bit away from just power-only numbers this year and may open up the uh, competition on both sides for, uh, for a few more players. Let's start with the American League because I think that's a better conversation. First off, the Otani number is a joke. A joke. It's yes. two to one. We all understand why he's the favorite, but two to one with uh, the superstars that you have over on the AL side. Okay. Uh, Aaron Judge is your second favorite at 7-1. to And, of course, Otani's teammate comes in at 3. You have Mike Trout at 8-1. to That's the top of the board. The way we look at things, Jim, there's no way in hell we're going to the top of the board for the AL MVP or any of these awards to start the year where there's absolutely zero value. Where are you looking on the AL side? And the thing is, two of them are angels, and the angels are always wildly disappointing. So that's the thing that makes it hard. And Aaron Judge, great year last year. 
I don't know if he's going to be able to repeat it or be allowed to repeat it. I don't know if he's going to get pitched to. I'm not looking at anybody on the AL side that's going to be below 40 to 1. I have one guy at 40, one guy at 100, and one guy at 150 to 1. So let's start out with my 40 to 1 guy. And health is going to be the key for this guy for sure. But what about Byron Buxton? We've talked about him in the past. Average was horrible last year. He dealt with injuries. He had still hit 28 home runs at the time. This is a guy that has the potential with the ability to steal bases and that, that he could be a 40 home run guy and a 30 stolen base guy. If he's able to do that and Minnesota turns things around, you're talking 40, 130. Of course, the average is going to have to come around, but a 40 to one to me, that seems pretty appealing. Okay. I don't hate that. He's a player I've talked about many times. We know the problem. Can't put together a full season. There are guys that don't put together full seasons until they do. Aaron Judge was that guy a year ago, and then he ends up running away with the MVP. So I don't mind it. He has that ability. The 40 is the best number that I do see out there. What do you think about his teammate, Correa, at 50? Would you rather bet Buxton at 40 or Correa at 50? You know what? Here's the thing that scares me about Correa. Failed physicals. Yeah. You tend to wonder, if he's failing all these physicals for all these other teams, and yes, he is with a team that it does want him, Failed physicals happen because there's a physical ailment. I worry about him playing a full season. So that's the thing that would scare me there and scare me a little bit away from Correa at any number, just because I don't know if he's going to be durable enough to make it through a season. Okay. Any other names that you want to throw out there on the AL side before I uh, throw you a few? Okay, go ahead. Yes, two others. These are huge numbers. First off, a guy that's at 100 to 1, Marcus Simeon in Texas. All right. 26 home runs last year, 83 RBIs, 25 stolen bases. Let's say that average goes from the 250 number to somewhere, say 280, 285 again. He could be a 40 home run guy, potentially. He's done it in the past. He can be a 50 stolen base guy. If you see that, then you think about all the times. Look, look at way back in the day, Canseco with the 40, 40 numbers, all the Barry Bonds years and that. So he's a guy at 100 to 1, maybe worth a few bucks. That's actually where I played in the AL. And then let me ask you about this one, too. If they're going to avoid pitching to Aaron Judge out there in New York, what about a guy like Rizzo at 150 to one durability wise? He's probably going to play 140 to 150 games. He's going to hit over 40 home runs if he does play that many games. And he could do that and say, steal again, 15 bases or so. If he's able to do so at 150 to one, why not? I have another 150 to one long shot that I want to get your thoughts on Rizzo. Uh, not one of them. I, you brought him up for a home run leader. So you're expecting a monster season from him. Funny thing. I also wrote down Simeon at hundred. All right. I also have that the top statistical categories that you know these voters are looking at every year. Simeon ranks on very high. I know it's not big in your world, but one of the first things a lot of people look at now is war. And he's yep. always up there. And that's going to be an improved team. And I'm not saying it's based on team performance, it's strictly player performance. But Simeon at triple digits, I think that's a, a decent look there. I mean, at 100, why not? I don't have a problem with that. Hitter's uh, ballpark, too. Yeah. Two long shots that I want to throw your way. Get your thoughts All on right. I have a 60 and a 150. The 60 just took me aback. I wasn't considering him until I saw the number. This is a guy that I've bet on in the past. Alex Bregman is 60. I've bet on him in the past too. Yeah. He's a pure hitter. He's a a power hitter. Bregman's 60 and Matt Chapman is 150. Again, but Matt Chapman can be an average guy, a power Mm -hmm. guy, an RBI guy, and he can hit anywhere in the lineup. Durability-wise, is going to come down for Bregman, I think. He's just going to have to stay healthy. Chapman at 150, why not? The guys, he's a professional hitter. He's going to put up huge numbers this season. Why not? 
Yeah. I mean, I guess you're looking for that breakthrough. He's had 27 homers each of the last two seasons, whether we're talking about in Toronto or in Oakland. 2019 is when he had that 36 homer, 102 run uh, run year. But you would think in that lineup that he should be able to score more runs and drive in more runs, but just being surrounded by so much talent. Like those numbers were certainly down for him last year. But if you're looking bounce back, and he was a guy that average last couple of years, 229, 210, yep. that, that should spike, right, with these new rules. Well, that's the thing with the shift. I mean, a guy like him, for sure. A guy like Rizzo. I mean, take away the second baseman playing a, playing a fourth outfield position. Mm-hmm. It completely changes things for these guys. Those ground balls up the middle that now get through. Those hard hit balls between first and second base that now get through. Those aren't only hits that help the average. Those could be things that, again, lead to more RBIs. A little thing like that, a removal of shift, it might be a 10 to 12 RBI boost for each of these guys also. AL, very exciting for this award. Early odds of Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score, my guest is Jim Miller, Hawthorne Race Course, going over the MVP awards. Let's switch to the National League side, Jim. The favorite is Juan Soto. He is 5-1 to one for the San Diego Padres. We're not going there, but where are we nope. going? Soto disappointed me a little bit after the move last year. I was expecting yes. a lot more. Maybe right. it was pressure. Maybe, maybe he's just not going to explode the way everybody's expecting. I guess we'll find out. On that side, though, here's a couple of things that you have to look to. Now, the one thing that I think is really, again, important on the NL side with the removal of the shift is the benefit to a guy like Kyle Schwarber. He hit a ton of bombs last year, but how many times did he hit balls into the shift that were hit hard for outs? He had only hit 218 last year. What if that number goes up 40 points to 260 and he's hitting 50 home runs and driving in over 100 runs? So Schwarber right now sits at 35 to 1. The other guy I wanted to talk about, and this is the guy that I played in the NL. This is kind of the Chris Bryant type of play where he followed up rookie of the year, followed up by an MVP. What about Michael Harris? 45 to 1. He put up massive numbers last year. He might only get better. Say 19 home runs turns into 30. Say 64 RBIs turns into 90. He stole yeah. 20 bases last year. What happens if he steals 30 this year and bats 300? He has to be considered. Uh, those are good looks. I like your Schwarber case. And it, it's the same situation with Harris. My concern with the Schwarber bet is, is he truly going to get enough votes when his teammates are Harper and Turner? That's the problem. And with Harris, right. you're going to have Acuna. And I like Riley at 16 to 1. I don't know if it's good enough for me to bet it, but he is certainly going to enter that conversation. Uh, they're going to have to surpass those teammates. So that one is going to be tricky for me. Let me throw a few at you. Yes. Arenado. I thought he should have received more love last year. Maybe he gets that this year. We know the defensive numbers are going to bump up his war. He's sitting at 20 to 1. Uh, if the Mets are good, there's always that New York bump. Lindor is 25. So I might take a look there. You're going to laugh. But if you look at projected war, Dancy Swanson is in the top eight, according to some sites. And his number is triple digits at 100 to 1. If Swanson steps in and he's the reason the Cubs take a massive jump, both of us like the Cubs for the over yep. on the win total, Swanson yep. could get some love here. All right, everybody loves the Cubs. They're kind of like America's team only because at least for for the older generation they grew up watching the games on WGN. They got they were visible. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. The Swanson move could be a great move too because he can do everything. He can hit for power. He can hit for average. He can steal bases. He can play solid defense. And if the Cubs are an improved team, then he might have to be the guy that leads them to the promised land. So I can see that for sure with Dansby Swanson. Lindor, 
that's a team that could have the best record in baseball. If they have the best record in baseball, they're probably going to have to do it offensively, putting up a lot of runs. Because pitching, they do have some question marks here and there just with health more than anything. But again, Lindor just might be able to be that guy that you get that combination of power, average, and stolen bases that come in. So that wouldn't surprise me by any means. And then Nolan Arenado, the Cardinals might actually be better this year. Yadier's gone. You're going to have to get a little bit younger behind the plate. They do have some young guys who have the ability to get on base and have that speed potential. Okay, last year, Goldschmidt was the guy who had the massive year. Arenado's been a professional hitter his entire career, too. And people saw the move away from Colorado. It wasn't a fluke. This was a guy that can hit. This is a guy that can play baseball no matter where he goes. And if Goldschmidt's going to be a guy where teams are going to try to avoid, say, pitching to him, kind of like they'll avoid pitching to Judge over in the AL, Arenado's going to be the guy that benefits from that most. How long do you think Harper's going to be out? That's the concern. They're just talking about him hitting off a tee every once in a while now. I think he might end up missing the first month of the season. That was the reason. And I originally had him on my list at 80 to 1. That's the concern for me. That's why I ask, because there are sites that are posting fair numbers. I'd say juicy numbers at 80 to 1. And there are other sites that have it at 35. So maybe it'll be more than that first month. Or maybe when he returns, it's just going to be a DH situation after making their World Series run. So that that could open the door more for Schwarber. Certainly like your case there. Positive stuff to say about the Bears. What kind of world are we living in, Jim? Are Are you with the masses? Are you betting the Bears as a second favorite to win the NFC North? The Super Bowl odds be cut in half. Justin Fields' biggest liability for... For MVP of any player in the NFL at some sports books. This is crazy. Okay, that is crazy. You, you just said a whole lot of crazy. Here's <laughs> the one thing that I lived by last year, and I talked about it time and again and again when I said the Bears were going to have the worst record in the NFL. They had no pressure in the front office last year. They had no pressure for the head coaching job. They were able to basically let things play out, and it played out perfectly for them. Everything they wanted to see, they did. They did see Justin Fields take a step last year. They were able to evaluate everybody, and they evaluated and found that they didn't have a whole lot of great players. But Ryan Poles did a great job with the trade for the number one pick. He got a ton out of that pick. He's done a great job just accumulating selections. And then when they went into free agency, they've picked a path. Okay, linebackers, good. Don't have to worry about that in the draft anymore. Starting to make some other moves. You don't bring Montgomery back. That's fine. I don't like massive spending on running backs anyway. You have Khalil Herbert. Maybe you draft another back in the fifth or sixth round, and he becomes the backup. But now they have picked a lane. So now what's going to happen is you load up on linemen in the draft. You're going to have a ton of selections. We still have to wait and see what kind of a passer Justin Fields is. But this is a team that I will be curious to see what the number comes out this year for the over-under. If you see somewhere around, say, seven and a half, I think that's about where the number is going to be. This could be a team that could be a seven and ten, eight or nine type of team. Let's see what happens. But at least the path they've taken, they're headed in the right direction. And I really like the way management has handled things. See, now you're talking. I'm more interested in that. What's the win total and what are the odds for make and miss the playoffs? Super Bowl conference. Stop. Stop. Not yet. Please. Not yet. Like the draft picks they've acquired. Fantastic. Most of them are not for this year. As much as they tore it down, it's going to take a couple of years to rebuild it. At least that's my perspective. Oh, by the way, Ibra flew second favorite for coach of the year behind Dan Campbell. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, what about the horses this weekend? All right, so three horses to look at on Saturday. First at Gulfstream Park, race eight, but the three, super chow across the board. Then two races at Oakland. Oakland race eight, but the seven, flash of mischief across the board. And then Oakland race nine, but the 10, last samurai across the board. Building the bankroll for NCAA tournament plays, Joe, but throw a little bit on those MVP candidates also. Oh, yeah, you got it. Enjoy the rest of the tournament uh, for the coming weeks. And, of course, this weekend, two days away from Sweet 16, all being set. Uh, Thank you, Jim. You got it, Joe. Good luck. 
Jim mentioned it, so let's talk some tournament and how to bet today's games. Northwestern plays tonight, but you can't bet on it legally. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski earlier during the tournament on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Welcome back. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670 The Score, with you earlier than usual. Typically, I'm here 8 to 9 a.m., but during the madness, 6 to 7 a.m. to make way for BetQL's countdown to tip-off coming your way at the top of the hour. Eight more games today for the right to move on to the Sweet 16. These four days, best four days in sports for my money. Let's look at these numbers and uh, talk about the sides that we do like. Now, we know that, unfortunately, we cannot bet on the Northwestern game on your mobile apps legally, but I'm sure some of you are going to find a way. Now, Northwestern, a seven-and-a-half-point underdog to the two-seed UCLA. Another matchup for the Wildcats where they're facing a great defensive team. But the big question with the Bruins, without Jalen Clark, how good are they? Are they still number one in defensive efficiency? No, probably not. They're going to slide back. But are they in that Northwestern range, maybe top 15 or further down the board? We couldn't really figure that out the other night against UNC Asheville. Maybe we'll get a better idea, even though the Wildcats offense does struggle from time to time. Also today, Duke is a big one. Duke minus three and a half against Tennessee. Kansas, same point spread. They're a three and a half point favorite against the Arkansas squad that took out the Illini. San Diego State minus five and a half against 13 seeded Furman. The seven seed, Mizzou, minus six and a half against the 15 in Princeton. That's a 7-15 matchup. The top seeds going at it today. Houston, minus five and a half against Auburn. A lot going on in that game. Bama, minus eight and a half against Maryland. A couple two seeds. We mentioned UCLA. The other one is Texas, minus five and a half against Penn State coming out of the Big Ten. All right, I'll get to my favorite plays in a moment, but let's set things up with Reed Wallach of BetSided. Had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. Terrific college hoops handicapper. Spoke with Reed yesterday on BetQL Daily. Take a listen. It's going to be everyone's favorite, but Duke, Tennessee. Ken Palm makes it Tennessee three. I, I'm i sorry. It's just, it's not. It's just not. Duke has to be favored, and maybe favored by a little bit more. It's a low total. It's 128, but Duke opened two, immediately went to three. There's three and a halfs on the board. Forget just looking at where Tennessee struggled to put away the Rage and Cajun, who were one of the, in my opinion, the worst teams in the entire field. And Duke absolutely laid waste to Oral Roberts in what was one of their most efficient offensive performance in the game. Tennessee's offense is just a disaster. They don't have Ziegler. They can't get any penetration downhill. Duke's defense really looks like they're focused. Lively around the rim is really making a difference. I, I just think Duke is the far superior team. Three, three and a half, you're starting to get out there with a low total, but I mean, it's Rick Barnes. What's the number? He's two and 14 against the spread in his last 16 tournament games. I hope I didn't butcher that. I'm pretty sure that's what it is, but how is it not Duke? How, how is it not? And, you know, maybe it's overreactionary, but how is Duke not going to win this game going away against a Tennessee team that has beaten up on bad competition, but we've seen them struggle all year long against the elite competition um, in college basketball, especially since SEC play started. Auburn, Houston, as you were saying, Auburn, obviously it, this is going to be like a home game for them. Yeah. What side do you like here? Five and a half, you're getting kind of, you're really starting to pay a tax. Uh, I don't think Sasser's going to go just based on him re-aggravating that injury. So it's probably Auburn or nothing. Maybe it's an Auburn money line, honestly. Just cut your bet down and it's they went outright or they get blasted because Houston's just the better team. I also like Penn State uh, 
to probably beat Texas. I, I that A and M Penn State was a team I was whoever came out of that. I was hoping it was A and M. I think the winner of that was gonna go on a run here into the second weekend. And I mean, it's all about the funk, man. It, it, it's all about funk right now. What is thirty plus? So I like Penn State to give Texas some trouble. Reed Wallach with me yesterday on BetQL Daily via the BetQL Network. Check us out. We're there weekdays on the Odyssey app. Just search BetQL Network, 8 to 11 a.m., also 105.9 FM, HD2 here in Chicago, and the BetQL Daily podcast always available. You know what I did? I kind of let my guest, Reed Wallach of BetSided, steal my thunder because I agree with everything he had to say. He was point on with Duke. As ridiculous as this sounds, it might be a coaching advantage for Duke already with John Shire. He's just coaching in his second tournament game, but based on what Rick Barnes has not been able to do in the tournament, like I'd be more willing to back Duke, and they are the better team. This is where you have to push the metrics to the side as the Vols are missing their starting point guard. They were a mess in the second half the other night, letting Louisiana back into that one. These Houston injuries are a killer. You could see it on Sampson's face the other night when he was talking. So Sasser, talking about a re-injury, he's their best player, leading scorer. Jamal Shedd dealing with a knee. That's some serious stuff, and it's basically a road game. So five and a half seemed a little high. I thought we were going to get stuck with a much lower number. I love that number of five and a half, and that's not a bad idea just going money line. And if Houston wins there, oh, man, it opens up this entire region. I found Auburn yesterday at 14-1 to 1 to win the region. I know at the time they were 100-1 to 1 to win the title. If you think a team's going to the Final Four, you might as well put a little bit something uh, for the title. The Penn State one makes sense. That is a squad that is dangerous. You take a ton of threes, they make a ton of threes. Top 15 in both categories in the country. So this is the kind of double-digit seed that can go in and maybe be a Cinderella knocking out a two today. I don't mind that one at all. The other one that you have to pay attention to is Kansas. What's happening with Bill Self and how is that going to impact the team? The number's only three and a half. And as soon as we saw that Illinois-Arkansas matchup, that the winner of that game was moving on to face Rock Chalk, It was like, boy, if it's the Razorbacks, a team that has made the Elite Eight back-to-back years, they have two potential lottery picks on that team, and a great coach. That is a phenomenal coaching matchup, too. That's a good one here for the second round on this Saturday. So I would only look at the underdog in that spot. The Jayhawks, it's all about Grady Dick, too. He carries them. How he goes, the entire roster goes. So as far as today's eight games, those are the four that really interest me. I'm glad I'm on the same page with Reed. We love Duke. We like Auburn. I'm with him on Penn State, and and I'm taking a look at Arkansas. Uh, That that number really pops, really pops. All right, we're already out of time here on Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Remember, throughout the madness, I'm going to be with you on Saturday mornings, 6 to 7 a.m., because we've got BetQL's countdown to tip-off coming your way. It's going to be two hours. Nick Costos, Ken Barkley, the fellas are fantastic, so make sure uh, you keep it here. However you play the tournament, whether it's betting games, it's a square pool, you've got brackets, maybe you're survivor obsessed like I am, best of luck, cash those tickets, and keep it locked right here on 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on TuneIn. go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.